Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, this is Benjamin Boyce, and my new next-door neighbor has decided that every other day is lawn day, which I can't describe to you how excited that makes me, that somebody who I don't know yet has decided to spend upwards seven hours a week riding around upon a vibrating machine that converts three-inch grass to 2.75-inch grass. Today's interview is with Rose of Dawn, who is an internet personality or a person with an ality on the internet. And yes, Rose of Dawn, who is actually produces YouTube content on the YouTube, is a trans woman. We get into the infiltration of identity politics into the trans community and what Rose is doing to give evidence that not everybody with the trans identity is an identity politic uh, thing. So this might turn a lot of people off or turn a lot of people on depending on your own positionality in this argument or on looky-loo that you participate in, but uh, I'm not really making much sense. So let's get right to it. Here is Rose of Dawn. Right. Okay. Is that working all fine then? Rose? Hi. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> okay. So you have a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. When did you start that? So I started it. Um, well, originally I started it around like 2011, 2012, and it was a very different channel at the time. It was more along just kind of like detailing bits about my transition. And some of the videos got a lot of views, but I never really felt that connected to it. Like I, I kind of felt it was a little bit boring even at that time. And eventually I found myself being alienated by a lot of what the trans movement has become. So even back when I was running some of these videos, like just kind of running on the run up to my surgery, I tried sharing them. And then I was told that I would have privilege over various different groups, including people who don't even know that they're trans. And a lot of this is because I'm white or I pass or any anything uh, you could and this was before the real wave of intersectional politics really took over the national conversation mm-hmm. like there was happening in the trans and queer communities years ago and i faced a lot of this backlash from some of my videos for very petty reasons and i stopped and eventually i i started to get a little bit annoyed at the way that the community was going i would go to trans or queer um events or whatever not that i ever really had a lot of trans friends anyway Hmm. but i would always come across the same kinds of rhetoric and a lot of it was very very left-wing there were a lot of people who were openly communist or socialist and saying as though this is a part of what it means to be trans and all of a sudden i found people were putting political opinions as part of who i am as in I like as in being a transsexual 
And then you get told, well, now you can't use these terms either because it's not intersectional enough because mm-hmm. transsexual is apparently like it, it's a bigoted phrase. It's and you'll come across, I came across this over and over and over and I started to get a little bit annoyed about it. And sometime, I think it was like around Christmas 2017, when I saw someone making a post about how all genders are valid, I decided to question it. And I asked them whether things like trigender or gender queer or the moon gender were all valid genders, expecting them to actually say, no, 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 this is ridiculous. We don't mean that. But to my surprise, they actually defended them and said, no, 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 these are all valid genders. They're just as valid as you are. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I've gone through quite a significant transition. I've changed so much about myself. How am I the same as that? Mm-hmm. And that was when I really kind of thought, I've got friends who are like kind of in the, the queer circle, so to speak, but I can't stay quiet about this anymore. And... Around March last year, I went to this event in London for like the startup of this political movement called Liberalists. And uh, Carl Benjamin, Sargon of a Card, was, was there. And I got chatting to him. And afterwards, I kind of made me just give the final push in thinking, I've got to start my channel and actually have to have a bit of a voice. Mm-hmm. And I didn't intend my channel to just be about trans issues. I actually wanted it to be wanted to talk about trans issues as a springboard to talking more about what my own actual political beliefs are. But I eventually I found that a lot of people started listening to what I was saying and including people I would generally have a lot of disagreement with. And that made me feel like maybe I have something real to add here. Maybe this is something which I feel like I can properly contribute to and change bit more people's perceptions about what being a transsexual is and fighting against the politicization yeah. of what of effectively what you are I, I i don't believe that the personal is political i think that the idea of you are a particular kind of person you should therefore hold particular views is it is bigoted almost because it's goes under the presumption that you are a certain way so you must think a certain way yeah and it completely ignores the idea that we are all individuals instead they address everything as a collective and with the trans community more than any other move any part of like the whole identity politics movement it's something which has really taken over like more to the extent than what you would find in like the gay community or any like it's to the several level of like Black Lives Matter, but why do more... you think that is? Why do you think that uh, Id Poll is or the trans community was susceptible to the infiltration of identity politics? Because these are vulnerable people. These are people who, particularly ten years ago, when trans issues weren't as widely well, like widely known as they are now. I mean, now you can't escape from them. But years ago, it was a lot more of a fringe thing. If you looked in newspapers, you would either see like a glamorous transsexual woman just being like, oh my God, I can't believe she used to be a man. Or it would just be a trucker in a bad wig holding a pint of Tetley's. And so a lot of people kind of felt alienated by what they saw. And so they would kind of band together. 
Now, queer movements have generally been left-wing, and they have been since they really started in, like, the 60s and the 70s. I've been reading a couple of books on, like, queer theory to get a better understanding as to how this all came about. Yeah. Um, and so you have a lot of these radical act, radical political activists who are already within these circles, and then you have trans people kind of gravitating towards them. They then make it out as though you are oppressed. Nobody outside of your, you know, nobody outside of us is going to care, is going to accept you the way that we will. We are your family now. We are your chosen family. Mm-hmm. And that's a very hard thing to run away from. It, were so, you resistant to that from the yeah, get-go? And what do you think I, about your personality made you resist or resistant to that? So I have always been fairly resistant to it because until I moved to London and kind of got a bit involved within the queer community, I did virtually the entirety of my transition by myself. When I was in university, I came out as a transsexual woman, I started my transition and I lost a lot of friends through doing this. Um, In particular, most of the people who I grew up with now have nothing to do with me because they are embarrassed about me. Still? and Yeah, still. Um, How how long ago did you transition? I started my transition 2010. Okay. Okay. So it's been a while then. Yeah. So... I found myself alone a lot of the time. Now, if I was in one of these spaces, if it was now where I could just go on Tumblr or anything or any of these like queer activist blogs, I would find it very easy to kind of get sucked in by the people who now say that they care. But at the time, I didn't know a lot about any of that kind of stuff. And so eventually I did, barring one or two other people, I did almost the entirety of my transition by myself. And I think that built a lot of what my own beliefs are in that I think that I put a lot of weight into being an individual and actually kind of working for yourself. Hmm. And so when I come into, when I move to London and I see the, this queer community with the outside being, oh, if you're LGBT, we're all here for you. And then you get in there and all of a sudden you start being fed the lines about how things are problematic and how, you know, like you shouldn't be watching this. You shouldn't be saying this. You shouldn't be seen with these people. There were Antifa flags. And this was years before Antifa became the big known brand that they are now. And I kind of question a lot of that straight away. I've always been fairly centrist, center-right. And my politics never really fit in with a lot of, what the big names in the queer community would accept. Yeah. So I would always question it, but then you would learn not to question it because if you do openly do so, you will be branded a bigot and you face social ostracization as a result. I didn't necessarily put, like uh, that also wasn't my whole life. I've had friends outside of that group. I made a lot of friends since transitioning, much more friends than I did when I, you know, before all of this. So there was never anything that really made me kind of stick around except for making just a handful of, of friends and contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was a lot easier to break out. Now, I'm not really a confrontational person, so I never really want, as much as I would have these thoughts, I never really wanted to rock the boat. But then eventually I just thought, screw it. 
and that's mm-hmm. what I ended up doing. Mm-hmm. So when when you decided to transition, did you do yeah. like a risk analysis on what you'd mm-hmm. be gaining and what you'd be giving up? And yeah. And if you did, could you just walk us through that and and how you resolved to go along that path of transition? Yeah. Okay. So when I so I came out whilst I was in university and I had to really think about what my friends would be thinking, but more importantly, my family, because at the time they were giving me a bit of financial support. And so I had to think about what potential results could I get from transitioning? Would I just look like, like, you know, one of these truckers that I would see in the tabloids. And that was something which I really wanted to avoid because I didn't want anyone to see me in that way. Hmm. Um, but eventually you you hit a wall and you just think I've got to do something about this now. Otherwise I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Hmm. So I was aware that there could be um, like a downside to this, but any kind of positive, just I felt far outweighed it, like hmm. any negatives. And that goes for every stage of the transition from hmm. initially taking hormones to having various surgeries like you kind of weigh it up but even when you think about the negatives it it doesn't stop you from doing it because you just think well i have to do this Mm -hmm. otherwise you know i don't know what will happen Mm -hmm. so like coming out to people was particularly hard because a lot of people didn't understand there was a lot of people who told me that you know well why couldn't i just be gay um like i had a particularly difficult time with my parents i won't go into too much detail because it's quite personal although Mm. our relationship is now much better than it ever has been but there was a very rocky time at one point um where where things got things got quite bad um but a lot it was some ultimately it's something which i needed to do and i think a lot of people who are very critical of trans people like myself who transition they don't quite understand that this is a need for us to do in order to really function in society. Hmm. But on top of that, you then have um, the current narrative from the trans community, which is, well, you don't need dysphoria to be trans. You can just say that you're trans and that's it. And we're all valid. Every single one of us, it doesn't matter whether you are a man or a woman or every single gender or your gender is fire, because these are all apparently legitimate genders. And that was the thing which I really kind of got annoyed at because I thought, well, I had to do all this. Like, okay, in a yeah. way, if I, if, I, if, I, if I didn't have to do it, I wouldn't have done it. Like, it's, it has made my life more difficult in some ways. So then why are these people doing it? And why are they the ones that are pushing to say, actually, no, this isn't a medical condition. This is a, you know, this is, this is a choice. This is, this is just... This is just a personality, but let's just make it sound much more valid than it is. Hmm. Why, why do you think that that way of thinking has gained so much ground? And have you thought about what's behind that? Because it doesn't seem yeah. uh, to uh, stand up to scrutiny that everything is valid except for that which says one thing is valid and one thing is not valid. So uh, that's the one thing that receives all the invalidation is the yeah. ability to distinguish between what is valid and what's not valid. So it just doesn't mm-hmm. seem uh, tenable if everything is valid, then that it just 
it doesn't really follow through, but there's so much energy and passion in mm. that. Yeah. So I think, I think one of the big pushes, uh, particularly from the trans community, is that it, it comes down to the progressive stack, I think. So the idea that different identities, different parts of who you are, the more like the more kind of oppressed that you are, the more of a say you get in intersectional communities. And with being trans, that is the one step up on the stack that now everyone can earn because you don't have to do anything with it. When it comes to things like sex or race, you you don't identify into either of those. You are born in those ways. When it comes to sexuality, sure, you can fake it, but not a lot of people will go the whole way with that. Being Mm -hmm. trans, you can transition and not have a transition. You can say that you are something and that's about it. So that gives you, that gives you like more of like a talking stick. So you can say that you are, you know, you are oppressed. Yeah. And the more obscure your gender is, the higher your place on the stack. I think a lot of gender critical Mm. people kind of misunderstand when they think that trans women somehow have the top spot in all of this. And that's actually not true because we are seen as having privilege because at least people recognize our gender. Whereas if you, if you are gender queer or omni gender or something like that, that's not a gender that anyone has heard of mostly because it's bullshit, but also because you get to say, well, nobody even knows. So Hmm. I am oppressed because nobody knows about me. Well, the problem with that is such a big appeal. It seems like that will only give you a very short term amount of power. So you get the talking Mm -hmm. stick by saying I'm omnigender or this made up thing. But that only gets you an ear. You have to actually go forth and prove that. And the only way to prove that you are every gender or omnigender is to go after people who have a gender. And so you prove yourself. It forces you to be an activist and to go and attack mm. other people to validate that yeah. talking stick that you have, because there's no other actual reality behind it. It has to have something to be against in order for it to have any sort of validity at all. Therefore, again, it goes back to everything valid um, that the whole stance that everything is valid eventually collapses on attacking that which validates, that which has some mm-hmm. sort of anchor in an objective, publicly verifiable reality. But that's entirely what identity politics is. It's all about the oppressed v. the oppressor. It's entirely based on attacking. You have yeah. your enemy. You need to go after them with yeah. everything you can. Yeah. Hence the phrase, the personal is the political. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can you use that as your weapon. And the trans community is no exception to this. If you look at any other identity politics movement, they all do it. The different the thing that makes the trans community unique though is this is pretty much entirely what they are now known for and they have been completely co-opted by it. Yeah. When you I've I've come across more what I would consider wouldn't necessarily say rational transsexual people, but more people who speak out against it and have their own thoughts and opinions. And these people are alienated quite badly. A lot of them are very much attacked for for being the ones who have, you know, who are daring to speak out. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly lucky in that I think for a lot of these people, I might have gone under the radar. It's only a matter of time before they kind of pick up on me a little bit more and really go after me. 
Mm-hmm. And and there's nothing in these communities. There's nothing worse than being a traitor. It's and and this is something which, all, when it comes to collectivist communities, you've always seen this, like all the way back to like the Bolsheviks, like Mao's yeah. China. Yeah. Anyone, you know, if you, if you're not following the rules, you know, you're you're a rightist, you're a capitalist, you're yeah. a fascist. You are insert phrase here because you are a traitor to the people. Yeah. And that's the same outlook that these activists have, because you are you are supposed to be the people, along with them. They're fighting for your good cause. If you're not with them, you are against them. They fail to understand that people are not their group. Yeah. Everyone is individual, yeah. and you see it especially when you look outside of the like you know the the trans kind of activist spectrum. We think of some of the, in the UK at least, some of the biggest named actors, people like Debbie Hayton or Christine, like, you know, Christina Harrison, and like, they are both quite committed socialists. Like, I'm, a, I'm a, practically a libertarian. I, hmm. you know, I completely disagree with them on a lot of their political stances, and I'm sure that they think the same about me. But we are still, we still have similar, we have sometimes similar views, sometimes not so similar views on what, being a transsexual person actually is but we can still at least accept each other okay yeah you can engage with each other yeah yeah i mean we don't like it would be a nightmare if it was like no you you have to be politically pure otherwise you're you're worthless to us like any of these movements would kind of like you know if we're trying to have more of a debate especially if we are just being by ourselves we would fall instantly so do you think that if one of the you know memes about the left is that they eat their own or these yes. groups, these collectivist groups eventually just because they don't have any validity outside of being against something, they end up cutting themselves off from everything else. And then they have to eat each other because they're running on being against. So they have to. Yeah. And then they burn out. So yeah. that being said, uh, is it not uh, kind of. Uh, do you feel responsible to kind of forge a community outside of that for people of your identity that's not based in your identity, but kind of showing people who are trans that there's another way to be or there is a community for you where you don't have to agree and it's not based on agreement or disagreement or rather it's based on engagement rather than yeah. for and against? Yeah, so someone, um, in a video I did a couple of months ago, um, someone commented on my video actually mentioning something along those lines and that it's actually important to have like, a separate community to it because if, there isn't, if there's only one community, that's the one that everyone's going to gravitate towards regardless of what their views are and they will eventually get swall- like, swallowed up by it. You're right in that there is constant infighting. I mean, it, it's always been something very prominent on the left you have the constant revolutions you always have to have someone to overthrow once you got rid of one enemy you've got to make another and in the trans community now that's already happening when you have people like myself who are considered true scum because we believe that you have to have gender dysphoria in order to be a trans that be trans so that's already that kind of that's already the the like the trans community eating its own there because yeah. once they get rid of us, who is the next group that it's going to be? It will might rely back on like biological sex. It might rely on like whether you are gender queer or gender fluid. And one of those is considered more valid than the other. 
you constantly get those. So if you have a separate community that isn't based on politics, that is just a simply a case of this is what we basically stand for. Mm-hmm. You do not have to, we, we do not have to agree. You, we can mm-hmm. have disagreements in there. We will not alienate people because they think a bit differently. Yeah. Um, when you see these movements try and try and prop up, whoever does them, there is always an in, you know, there's always an inclination that they will eventually get to that way as well. It seems yeah. almost inevitable that, like, I've I've been involved in a couple of these groups that have tried to start over the last year. I've I've given up on them now, but they would always start with you know some of them would be a bit more middle of the road, eventually leaning a little bit more in the way of trans activist stereotypes. Other ones would be leaning very much in like a gender critical feminist way um, where some of them would be saying, we need to put, um, you know, like the rad femmes first in one or two instances. And I think that's a very strange thing to base a, you know, if you base a movement on being somebody else, Hmm. you should really be basing it on you. And so, I've seen things like this happen and it is difficult to kind of get started. It's it's difficult. All I can really do and the only way I can feel like I can contribute to it is being almost by myself and actually just putting out what my voice is and then hoping that people will also have a look at others that might, I might agree with, might disagree with, but have their own stances like whether it's somebody like Blair White or Miranda Yardley or you know any of these people I don't might not necessarily agree with them on a lot of of points particularly like I disagree with Miranda Yardley on a lot of trans issues but at least let people know that there are other views if you want to be a trans person that sees yourself despite having gender dysphoria you want to be recognized as a man like Miranda Yardley does that should still be considered like that should not be a viewpoint which is put down because maybe there are people who think that way, but okay. then it would be wrong if you then decide, no, we should all think like Miranda Yardley. That's mm-hmm. as bad as saying we should all think like the trans activists who say all genders are valid. Well, what do you think is the number one trans issue besides the issue of the trans rights or the trans advocate movement. Like what's the, what's the issue that you think is most pressing where a bunch of different viewpoints can converge on moving something forward? Healthcare. That's, that's the, by that, I think that's the most vital. So in the UK, um, the waiting times to go to see like the gender recognition clinic, like, you know, to gender identity clinics or anything like that, are absolutely ridiculous now one could put that down to our socialized healthcare system but also it the the referral rates to these clinics has exploded in the last couple of years when i was going through the system in 2010 2011 it took a very long time for me to actually get seen and then get my hormones and then get my surgeries but it seems now that what would have originally taken about a year now takes upwards of like two to three years just to get an initial appointment. Now, that's not to say we need to cut down on the medical bureaucracy. Far from it. We need to have these, you know, to make sure that people who are going through it are getting the right healthcare by being seen by multiple professionals to make sure that these major changes you want to do to your life are actually going to benefit you. Um, 
what they do need to focus on is making sure that people get seen. Um, like I think one hmm. thing which I always push people to do now is to go private. Now, it might be a bit hypocritical of me because I went through the, the NHS, but when I went through the NHS, it was a very different scene. It was something where, like, I knew it would eventually get seen. If I was to start my transition now, you would be waiting years for that appointment. And it's worth paying about three, four hundred pounds to go see a specialist yourself and, and to finance it yourself. Hmm. Um, but So you're not saying that, that the screening process should be diminished and the gates no. kind of just demolished it's not the gating process it's the the... gatekeeping yeah gatekeeping is vital um it it, it seems to be almost sounds sounding like a bit of a you know a a bad phrase to say that you know like you know that there's a stigma behind it like everyone should be allowed in we should have an open border on gender Hmm. but it's very important that you don't because there will be people who will get through the system um they will you know they they might not be thinking through properly what they do and they could cause you know damage to the body that they just cannot reverse mm-hmm. i you, know, you see this a lot with non-binary people in particular what would be known as an afab nb an assigned female at birth non-binary basically a woman who has now decided that she has no gender yeah. um they, they they will you know they will go through the NHS system. Sometimes they will set up a just like a GoFundMe or something like that. So other people can pay for their private healthcare, which I'm kind of like, feel that's a little bit weird. Well, isn't that um, socialized medicine, but like married back to the free market? (laughs) It's a very weird, it's a, it's a very weird way of doing it. Like a lot, I've, I've, I've always found that a, I've always found it a bit uncomfortable when people do these GoFundMe's to kind of fund their transition because some of them will openly be saying, I don't want to see these, this particular person because he said, I don't need to have any kind of like transition care, but I want to get my breasts removed. So can you pay for me to do it? Like hmm. it's that, that kind of takes away a little bit of responsibility, but then it's also relying on others and others shouldn't feel like they have to, give that money of it. if they want to, then that's fine. But mm. there's always kind of like a little bit of social pressure behind it. But um, as, as I was saying, there needs to be more gatekeeping just to be sure that these people like will often regret it. Like when I was saying that they could, they use these GoFundMe. So I've seen people use a GoFundMe, for example, to get an appointment with a gender specialist be prescribed testosterone take it for a week and then go very very quiet on it so all up until this this time they would be saying i need it to live i need this testosterone you know i don't want to be seen as a boy or or a girl i want to be seen as non-binary i need this testosterone they'll take it for a week and then they will never comment on it again and like i saw a photo of one of these people like like She's been apparently been on it for more than a year and she still looks like a 12 year old boy. Like no kind of testosterone. If she's still taking testosterone, it's not done a thing 
to mm. her at all. And testosterone does do things like grow hair and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder you would if expect some change. I wonder if there's a kind of a, a space for the AFAB NB or the assigned female at birth non-binary that is motivated by almost like a Peter Pan desire to maintain in this androgynous adolescent state. It's, it's mm. not about becoming that it goes back to this thought I had about, you know, androgynous, the word yeah. itself means male and female. It, it's this kind of this pre developmental state. So it's like an elongated adolescent. And I've, I've known, uh, young women at a particular point in life in their early 20s who who perfectly encapsulate this kind of this bridge between the masculine and feminine and they have a male kind of energy and engagement with the the world with, with uh, accompanied by a feminine sensitivity and, and and fluidity of movement and and beauty and i wonder if it's kind of this desire to maintain that rather than actually transition i'm just throwing that out there mm. I think you've got a bit of a point. I mean, when you look at the way a lot of these people dress, they don't dress in the way that a normal guy would dress. You'll see a lot of waistcoats and dicky bows, and it's almost like this kind of dandy yeah. style style dress, which isn't in and hasn't been in since like the 1920s, 1930s. And so they... they they and yeah, and they there is always this kind of like almost youthful look to them, so there maybe there is a bit more of a they want to preserve a very specific kind of look, and it's always interesting that it's the same look, especially if they are like biologically female. It always mm -hmm. does seem to be this I want to be the boy that didn't grow up, yeah, well, the kind Dorian Gray kind of thing, almost, yeah. yeah. Well, kind of using that framework um, and then returning to somebody in your position who's male to female um, transsexual, yeah. did you. And this is this is the inter one of the interesting aspects of gender dysphoria for me, just thinking about it intellectually and kind of divorcing yeah. it from all the oppression and all the difficulty of the gender dysphoria. But that do you want to become a woman and what is it that you are approaching and what is what is the image of the woman that that uh that you want to attain or what is the image of the man that you want to escape hmm. so i don't think it's it's not never really a case of i have an image of like the kind of woman that i want to be seen as it's more just that i want to be able to go out and people see well it's kind of two-pronged so I want to be able to look into a mirror and see a woman looking back at me. I want to go out into society and be interacted with and kind of recognized as, as a woman. And mm. I think I've had some success through that. I've had people say that they are, um, you know, well, sorry. I've been, you know, I've been traveling around the world. Like for example, I've been to the UAE where it is actually illegal to be to be a transsexual because the kind of crime that they look at it as is like a man impersonating a woman. I've been to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and I was treated like a woman both times. Um, been to J Japan, China, around Europe. I've never kind of had any issues, and so I've basically mm -hmm. just been treated as a woman. I was treated more like a white woman in a lot of those places, but mm -hmm. it was but. The kind of thing, the kind of thing which I've been wanting is generally what I have. 
and I've interacted with many people, some of whom are very, very supportive of trans rights and everything, and some people are more, more, more critical. But the vast majority of people have been incredibly respectful. Now, are they going to see me as a woman? Some do, some don't. Um, but that's fine. I can't change. I can't force people to think in a particular way. Yeah. But I, I see it as my role. If I want to be seen by society in a particular way, I need to be putting it out there that this is what I want to be seen as. Mm-hmm. So I dress in a feminine way. I have my hair in a feminine way. I have my breasts. Um, like I, yeah. I, I've had, I've made a lot of changes. A lot of this is so I can look into the mirror and recognize a woman, but then also I go out and people will recognize a woman as well. Um, what about the, uh, have... what about the gender critical, uh, I guess, criticism of this, that you are right. fulfilling a, a gender role, a stereotype? Um, have you interacted, had negative interactions with the gender critical, uh, I guess, theory or, or their, their viewpoint? I've had I've had negative interactions with gender critical people. I remember, like, well, I first went to London Pride in 2011, and I was having a chat there with a friend, and a rad saw me, and then marched through the crowd. Actually, pushed people out of the way just to go up to me into my face and say, "You're not a woman, and never will be," and then mm-hmm. stormed off, uh, which was a really really weird experience. Um, I've had a couple of snidey comments from rad firms. I've been told, like, for example, there was, there was a video where I have like a dress with like a kind of like a low cut on it. And I got criticized saying well, women wouldn't wear that or women wouldn't flick their hair. And like, mm. you know, you're showing your male privilege. And I've had a lot of, I've had snidey comments from both sides. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but uh, beyond the snide comments, like the the uh, essence I mean, of their yes, position they're, they're, right. is that they want to preserve female rights and... of course sorry i took it off topic a little bit there. no that's so, fine so uh, they i have been you know accused of being you know just doing this as a stereotype i'm trying to stereotype femininity but then i would mm. say exactly what stereotype am i embodying uh, because i don't think i am um like i i just kind of act the way that I do. Um, like hmm. I don't see there being a stereotypical woman because, believe it or not, women come in all different shapes and sizes. There's so many. I don't know many women who I could say are completely identical. Mm-hmm. So I don't see how. If I was, if they what they meant was more like a stereotypical kind of like wearing a frock kind of like this almost idealized image of a woman. And I think that would be a little bit different, but I, I don't dress as a stereotype. I don't know many stereotypes who'd wear tops like this, mm-hmm. um, or have their hair like this, or kind of talk in a way that I do present in a way that I do. I mean, I, so I, I always kind of find that a little bit strange and that's not, and I'm not trying to, appropriate womanhood and just trying to live the way in which I can live. So when you transitioned, was there a level of transition where you worked on your personality and worked on your, your voice and, and worked on, um, I guess not in a sense, but like the, the presentation, Mm -hmm. the performance, the theater, theatrical Um, aspect. 
So certainly with the voice, yes. Um, so I did need to have voice coaching for this. Um, my original voice was awful. <laughs> what do you I, mean by I, that? <laughs> I, like, I honestly, because I've been speaking in this way for so long, okay. I cannot really, like, I know a few trans people who can, who can somehow drop the voice, but when I try and do a, a deep voice, would you Okay, so it was, it was tonal. <laughs> so the, the question yeah, is, it, yeah. it's more tonal, more physical uh, presentation rather than you use a different phraseology or, or you, oh, you twist I, your not, sentences differently. I, I've not really changed the way in which I talk, I don't think. Okay. I mean, maybe I have, and if I have, it's not conscious uh, because I don't remember not talking or really acting in this way I, I maybe maybe hmm. I did maybe I did change some things I don't think a lot of it so long ago like well, I certainly it, it, didn't sit around practicing mannerisms or practicing how to walk or anything like that yeah so I guess like the direction that I'm going in is hmm. to I'm wondering, in transitioning, were you trying to move towards an idealized stereotype of what you wanted to be, or were you shifting things in your physical body to align with a sense of self that preceded those changes? Like, you, you felt that the way that you were in the world didn't line up with who you were, and you shifted things around to become who you were. Yes, I would say the latter. I would say the latter. Um, it certainly wasn't a case of picturing in my head, I need to be this. I've got to do everything I can to obtain this. It's certain, it, but it's more of a fact that I feel a particular way. I need to be honest about exactly who I am. I need to do what I can to make me comfortable with who I am. And that's not having an idealized vision of what it means to be the gender that you're transitioning to. Mm -hmm. But it's just because... Like a lot of trans women will be, again, will be different. Like there will be some who do have almost like, I don't know whether it's pornified or just stereotypical idea of what mm. it means to be a woman. That's, that could well be a thing for some people. I just don't think it was a thing for me. I don't remember transitioning in that way. I just remember thinking eventually just everything kind of fell into place and I felt comfortable. Mm. And so I was just able to be me. Like yeah. It, it was, yeah, I didn't have to kind of learn anything. I didn't like, I, I had to make changes, but it was changes so I could be who I am, not changes to be who I wanted to be. Have you felt the need to um, like enter into a negotiation with women? And I bring that up because there's a strong argument from the feminist side that uh, the trans woman will gain access to women's spaces, women's sports, stuff like that. And the problem that they have is exacerbated by the radical trans rights activists who are demanding yeah. acceptance, demanding uh, a session from, from women to just give over everything that, that's been roped off for women to be safe and then to participate on an even playing field, let's say, with sports. And yeah, what do so you think about that? And, and have you butted up with that? in your own mm. life yeah so what the way that it feels is though there's always just kind of been like an acceptance of like a trans woman isn't going to be a threat we're not gonna we're not a danger but we you know we can go into you know use the bathrooms use changing rooms i've been using them for years I've never ever once had a problem never had any weird looks i've never had any issues and 
like that it just seems to kind of be the dumb thing but i i put a lot of that on me actually making an effort with my transition so there's always kind of been feels like there's mm. always been this level of understanding and what a lot of activists seem to do now is like oh you accept these people we're valid as well and then they just steamroll through it and this is why i have a big problem with the whole trans women or women mantra because i feel like a lot of that came from um just the the idea of a lot of these lazy transitioners the people who still have beards or facial mm. hair um like wear crappy clothes haven't done anything with regards to medical but they say well i'm just as valid as any other trans woman if a trans woman is a woman then so am i and i think that's where from my understanding that's where a lot of this this current narrative of trans women or women ultimately came from it was kind of mm. like an invite between <laughs> Between like people like myself and these, whatever you want to call them, troons or or what, mm. they would like they would then kind of go down that, and then once they felt like oh we've won this fight, they then just kind of barged ahead, and it's like yep, we're women now, huh. don't have to so do anything. Do you do you? I guess without that, you wouldn't have to specify if you're a trans woman or a woman, but uh, yeah, because I've never needed to. Yeah, you've never needed to. So because you've worked so hard on the transition yeah. that you're not stuck in that trans part of being a trans. Exactly. Mm. You, could, you could basically say that I <laughs> I have a trans history. Like I have a history where mm. I have trans. A trans arc. Yeah, into being mm. who I am. Um, so that has never caused me problems. And like all these arguments like, yeah, well, trans women shouldn't be going in sports or, or like women's shortlist or anything like i have no interest in any of that anyway so okay, yeah. i would never be putting myself forward for it um but i think this is like a lot of these problems have been caused by the lazy transitioners the people who are not putting any time or effort into anything and they're demanding the society yeah. bend the knee because they don't want they they don't have the individual responsibility to change who they are Instead, they want everybody else to change around them. Yeah. Now, that is not an individualist way of looking at things. To well, say everyone else has to take responsibility for yeah. me. How like that makes I find that ludicrous, and I don't get how these people could be happy with that because surely you need to see yourself as who you are, as well as everyone else. And now you can be a bearded trans woman. Like, and there, and there are a couple of them like you know there's someone on twitter of a week called secret gamer girl who's actually just a fat bold bloke with a beard down to there down to his gut and there's an activist in the uk called alex drummond who says that he is like you know the, the redefining what it is to be a woman by having a beard it's like nobody looks at you thinking that's a woman <laughs> with a beard they look at you thinking you're a man in a dress these are two very different things and they, they just, want there's... to put the responsibility on everyone else and not yeah. themselves. Yeah. And, that, and, and that is where a lot of the bad ideas from the trans community have come from because they don't look after themselves and mm. don't see how they're happy with this. Yeah, like, well, yeah. I, it, it eventually, if it's not sparked by a mental illness, it will result in a mental illness because what you're doing is... You want to be royalty for everybody else, but you're not the one who has the power or the divine right. You don't have that right. Because yeah. if everybody has that right, which is what you're demanding, that everybody identify as they want to identify, but you want to stand out 
and force everybody else to identify you as the way that you want it. It just, it doesn't, it, it either, it either comes from the inability to think or it results in the inability to think. Yeah, it is. It's entirely putting the, putting the responsibility on the collective and completely removing any kind of responsibility from yourself. You can distance it from it because you don't need to do the labor. Everybody else can pick up the slack for you. Hmm. And this kind of thinking allows dangerous people to get into the community. And this is where the trans community in particular do need to actually answer to what's going on because they're the ones who have allowed this to happen. Like the Hmm. biggest example, I don't know whether I should say this person's name. Bring it in. Bring it in. Yeah, we know it's fine. Even, even ogre or auger. Oh God. Yeah. I know. Which was Um, fascinating. We can talk about that. Yeah, so Jonathan Yaneve is, is the perfect example of someone who has been relatively, like, he hasn't done anything special at all in his life. He's constantly, you know, he's he sued people. Right. That's kind of special. But, but he is rarely successful. Um, mm-hmm. He made various complaints, various different cases that, were, that had never had any kind of weight. And he's tried to inflate himself with his website, Trusted Nerd, but he never got anywhere he never made a name for himself until he came out as being trans yeah and that's what changed his fortune because now he can go and demand that beauty salons wax his genitals and can get international news while still remaining anonymous because trans privilege and then Mm. he can get he can have the audacity to send out vile messages about periods and tampons and then you know he's trans this is what women do apparently and then when he's called out for it he can just say well i'm you know it's just somebody else making it up no and you're phobic uh, you're phobic if if you call out my behavior it's because you're a bigot yeah and that's and that's how he's able to kind of get away with it for so long because he can effectively corner these women who are thinking well if i question this if i question this then then am i a bigot in, in current year, yes, you are a bigot if you question anything in current year. Hmm. And so it allows him to just stroll in and then he can gloat about it online, which he has been doing yeah. quite regularly. And I eventually did a whole video on, on the guy's history because he is a terrifying individual. And I don't know when this is going to end a lot of people seem to be speculating that you know any day the police could be coming in and like i don't think so Hmm. i think that he is there to stay for at least the long run and how are they going to get rid of him i mean i know morgan auger kind of threw him under the bus um so but i don't i don't still don't know what to think about any of that well, um, yeah, I think you're right to say that the, I would phrase it a little differently, but, but the trans, trans people who care about the trans brand, or at least working on trans acceptance in society, mm-hmm. need to publicly go after people who are uh, degrading the uh, progress that has been made by relying yeah. on progressive law to get away, away with totally uh, abhorrent behavior. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, and and I think um, Morgane Auger, um, like you said, like wrote this uh, 
this write-up calling out Yaniv, uh, distancing themselves from Yaniv, but blaming it in the end on women. If it weren't for yeah. women not accepting trans women, this would have never happened. When it's just like, no, the no. the problem is is that you you're just re, revi- uh, reviving the problem, the loophole. You're yeah. you're you're reinforcing the loophole that Yaniv exploited. By, yeah. by blaming it on the other people, blaming it on society, blaming it on, you know, women, you know. Yeah, and that's the, and that is the protection that the trans identity can give you. Because you can just then say, well, you know, you shouldn't have been so bigoted in the first place. Otherwise, you know, we never would have listened. And I thought, like, no, like, Yaniv didn't get any criticism because he says he's trans. No, he, he got, got criticism, but all the criticism got the criticizer thrown offline right no there's not yeah of course yeah but they, you know no, you know what i mean it's like his actions yeah was what got criticized not the fact that he is trans so the idea that this is all because of you know anti-trans bigotry or anything like that like it is absolutely false hmm. like yeah did, did yeah i suppose when she's saying that it's the fault of the Radfems. It, it, like you said, it's just a way of basically pretending there is no loophole in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you will get more people. And, and there is historical and there's people doing this, like a Canadian activist by the name of Stefankny, who transitioned from being a man to a six-year-old girl <laughs> and was held up as an example of, a progressive example of this is this is good activism. Oh, like Stefankney is a fetishist. Stefankney has a fet life account with his like mummy and daddy who have sex with him. Yeah, it's entirely a fetish, but that's held up as you know, like that's yeah. that's fine. We can have somebody in this yeah. who acts incredibly weird. And there's there's so many like different kinds of examples that just you know you can identify into it and it allows the loons to take over the asylum. It's not the weirdos that give me pause. I mean, they do at the first you know like I meet I find somebody making a weird statement or expressing something very weird online or or in their life. It's not. It's like okay, that's that's weird. It's all the celebration around them that really disturbs me. It's like wait, that's what you're holding up. Like that's that's what we're that's what you guys are lifting up like that really yeah that's it like they and they do like all of these weird people get celebrated and no one actually sits back and especially in the gay media like they don't ever sit back and think hold on a second is it really a good idea for us to promote a you know a 56 year old man who jokes about tackling three-year-olds because he wants to be the flower girl at a wedding no, I, I, that's that's not hmm. a good look for anyone, hmm. and it just it, it just allows people if they want to feel good about themselves for whatever kind of weirdo fetish that they want, they will get celebrated for it, and they will see it as a way of being able to avoid legitimate criticism about their own behaviors. Hmm. Like a kind of a quite a good example actually is um, Christian Western Chandler, Chris Chan. Um, I'm not sure whether you're aware of him, but he is a quite notorious victim of trolling. Um, a couple of years ago, he came out as Christine Weston Chandler, 
and now has a lot of people white knighting for him online saying like, oh, you know, he's trans, must be protected. Hmm. But this is someone who is like very high functioning autistic and has kind of had very poor upbringing in terms of parents. Like parents did not do a good job at all. There's, There's a lot of like, like he's yeah. honestly one of the most documented people in history. Uh, so you can actually see what his upbringing was like. And hmm. he was allowed to just basically be a, become a mess. And so being trans allows you allows him to be able to just be, well, like, kind of escape responsibility, so to speak. And everyone needs to respect it. It's... And so hmm. opening, opening it up, just there's so many different examples of people yeah. who this window of anyone can be trans has opened up whether it yeah. is people who are clearly mentally ill or have fetishes or are able to use this as a shield or have ways in which they're being protected by the community as a whole simply yeah. because of who they are their big name trans status there is a clear that whilst I, I don't like any kind of arguments about privilege or oppression or oppressed or anything, but if you want to use that kind of language, there certainly is a privilege in being trans and that you get this shield nowadays that you didn't yeah. get 10 years ago. Well, it seems like a temptation. And that's what I wonder when I speak with people like you who resist yeah. the temptation of I, I have a almost a, a mental disability in a sense. Like there's something in my wiring that's, that's interrupting my being productive in the world. And, and mm. you, you investigate that, you figure it out. There's a name for it. There's documented cases, there's medical, there's a path to resolve this issue. Right. And, yeah. and it's something that you go through and you come to terms with, and then you go through all the work of resolving and, and using to, to get to the next level in your life and move on. It seems mm. like, there's a temp- there there's now a temptation for people to to get a lot of instant support and and to to not really do a lot of work on developing themselves and becoming a, a master of something other than identity um yeah. by the whole identity politics what allowed you to maybe it was just a timing issue where this wasn't a thing when you went through this but or Maybe I can rephrase it. What are some words of advice that you can give to somebody who could be being tempted by the trans identity to not really understand that gender dysphoria is not your definition? It's it's just one path, uh, something that you need to work through to get to somewhere else where it seems like like the identity politics wants to keep you in that dysphoria or yeah. or somehow conflate that with, you know, like anybody can claim to have this issue yeah so the the, probably the biggest advice that i could give outside of make sure to get your health care sorted out that's paramount but to not get involved with the trans community to stay away and fight that temptation because there's no reason for you to really stick around like okay so all you are are just people who maybe have the same medical condition a lot of them won't like just live your life in the way that you can. Don't get, don't be influenced by these groups that clearly have an agenda, which they will push heavily. Hmm. And if you are able to kind of build yourself up and have that responsibility, then 
you will get more success. You'll get more success out of your transition because the first couple of years are going to be tough. They're going to be really, really hard. You will look like a mess. You will sound like a mess. You will be stared at. It is not fun. It's not pleasant, but it builds character. Now, if you're in a community that just hugs and kisses you, you have no no real like you know motivation to get outside of that first phase because you can just go back for the hugs you know and then you will be told like you know it doesn't matter whether they're staring at you or anything because you are valid because you are this gender and that gender looks like that and you don't grow mm-hmm. because you're just covered in bubble wrap yeah but yeah. the real world can be cruel and it can be nice as well it's it is what it is and yeah. you need to face that full on you need to have that experience well i will say that things that provided you you stick with your transition you take you get the medical care that you need you go through it things will work out in the end like i'm in a much better position than i was at the start of my transition i have you know i have a i have a good job i have a lot of friends i have i lead an interesting life i've been traveling around the world I, you know, I, thanks to my YouTube channel, I've met a lot of very interesting people, a lot of people who I've looked up to for years, <laughs> and some of them I can now call my friends. And I, I've been able to achieve a lot because I've put in the time and effort to achieve. If you're stuck in a community that doesn't really want you to change, you're not going to change for the better. You're going to be stuck as the same crappy person mm-hmm. that you were when you came out as being trans. Yeah, and they'll end up, I, I can guarantee you that communities like that will end up uh, resenting you for achieving anything and, and, and they try do. to break you down if you try to go in the path of becoming autonomous. Oh, yeah. Well, we get called, well, people like myself, it's all, oh, I've got passing privilege that, mm. you know, that I'm true scum, that, you know, that I'm, a, I, I'm holding up the, you know, I'm, like cis patriarchy or it's like cis cis het normative <laughs> all of these you know th- these garbage yeah. phrases like these absolute garbage phrases that really mean nothing to the to people who are outside of the little friendship bubbles like yeah. i don't care about like you know like all this colonialism of gender or any of this it's literally just live your damn life and hmm. actually do something about it hmm. but a lot of them don't and it is sad especially when whether they like to believe it or not this is the best time that we've ever had for people like myself not everyone think conflates trans people like me with the trans activists like i don't ever get aggro for being trans um like i've nor do you aggro for being trans no exactly like oh no like and i you know i don't get discriminated against i've got held down a job i've done things and you know 10 20 30 years ago things might have been different things might have been more difficult so we we live in a very a very good time to do all this but a lot of people want to throw that away it's almost like they fetishize what they see as oppression they want that victimhood because that's what gives them credit. The amount of trans, every single trans activist you'll talk to will always say that they've been abused in one way or another, that, that whether it's like name your kind of abuse, they, they probably suffered it. Um, you know, they've been assaulted. They've been you know, like all of this kind of nasty stuff. And you kind of think, 
like you, you kind of get skeptical of it eventually because you just think all of you have somehow i kind of doubt it like i went through a transition okay i had a bit of abuse in the street when i first came out i was never assaulted for it there was never like i'm not saying that this never happens but what i'm saying is to these people who who gain a lot of credit by saying that they are victims it's just a bit coincidental that everyone seems to be a victim except me and you refuse the victim mantle I did, absolutely. I think it's yeah. one of the worst things about identity politics as a whole. It's entirely centered around the idea that you as a person cannot achieve because there is someone else who put, who is putting you down by <laughs> virtue of them being themselves. Yeah, yeah. Any, ide- any ideology that teaches people that they are somehow worse than others is toxic. Yeah. It is as toxic as any kind of superiority movement. It it seems like there's a parallel with the one ring from Tolkien, uh, yes. you know, the Lord of the Rings. And there's that one ring, and it seems like it gives you the sense that if I wear this ring, everybody will see me. But because everybody's wearing the same ring, it makes you invisible. So mm. it's it's like this ultimate power that eventually strips you of any agency, any any actual power, any individuality, because now you are not an individual. You're a part of this yeah. group. You're a part of you're this collective. And that's what identity politics movements always are, because they are fundamentally leftist. That's that's the simple truth of it. The left has always been a lot more collectivist. They need to have the power of the people, and identity politics movements are no different. Hmm. The reason why I focus on the trans community and the trans identity movement more than the others is because it's the one I can think of which has been wholly co-opted. By radical ideology to the point where it's almost indistinguishable you know you you have people like myself who are seen as rebels whereas if you have a look at like a gay man who is a conservative or like let's say someone like dave rubin who's like a classic liberal like he's not seen as like a traitor to the gays he's just seen as a gay guy with like, a different opinion hmm. whereas i'm seen as like being a traitor to trans people even though I am just a trans person with a different opinion. Hmm. So our community just has identity politics that is the absolute most extreme. In a way, it's quite fascinating. Yeah. It's one yeah. why I cover it a lot. And it's like my channel was originally going to focus a lot more on many different identity politics movements because they are all. <laughs> but they're giving you so much material. To... <laughs> the trans community just gives me too much material to, to focus on anything else. Yeah. I don't have the. I, honestly. I started this series like a couple of months ago now called, which I just called Trans Stupid, where I comment on some of the news stories of the last week. And I didn't know how long I would be able to keep it up. But every single week, there is so much to cover Hmm. that, you know, that it's, it's absurd. You wouldn't think so. 10 years ago, it would be nothing more than, an occasional story in the news about how, you know, oh, this person who's a man is now a woman. Mm-hmm. That would be it for like the month. That would be your yeah. monthly trans story. Mm-hmm. Now it's activists are outraged at this. This activist has done that. These people are oppressed. This is problematic. Do you think I... that this is going to burn itself out? 
Do you think people that. just lose uh, lose the novelty factor of it and and stop paying attention to it, and then when they lose their attention, they'll stop acting like people who want attention? I don't know. The, because we're living in very interesting times politically. Hmm. You have, like, I... You know, it's it's very popular to be woke, even if it's not the most profitable thing to do. But it's certainly seen mm-hmm. as being a positive. And you know, and nothing has brought this out more than Donald Trump. Like mm-hmm. the amount of absolute, like the the term Trump derangement syndrome mm-hmm. is something which is certainly real. When you see how rabid people get when they talk about Trump, I don't know many people who. Like, you know, outside of like kind of political Excite, circles yeah. who, who don't say, you know, don't act as though like the man is Hitler reincarnate. And we, we're now becoming a much more polarizing time. And, and so identity politics movements where people can shout things, you know, whether it's like a white, so, you know, if you, if you be the, the ultimate sin of being a cis, het, white male, like you, <laughs> Like, don't you do know, that. Like, don't tell anybody that's. <laughs> I that's secret. how I identify. Shit. <laughs> like, you, know, you you get these people. Like they, they like these are the ones who are considered problematic. You look at articles like like websites like Kotaku where they will criticize video yeah. games for having cishet white male protagonists as though that's yeah. a genuine criticism of a video game. It's there's a lot of currency in all of this. Hmm. Um, I just, I just, I can't see that the currency is going to not be inflated beyond all sorts of value. I think it's going to keep on inflating, 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 and then it'll just, it'll peak out into some sort of ultimate absurdity, but maybe not because I was at Evergreen College, which totally peaked out and college students are still doing weird college protest things, you know, demanding detergent, infinite detergent or whatever, you know, you're like, (laughs) okay. Universities have only got worse, um, like hmm. progressively, in fact, over the decades. Well, that's a, not a pun, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's say it is. Okay, all right. So, so, like, there's, I don't know what the future in any of this is going to hold. Yeah. And, like, that that's both kind of fascinating, but also concerning. Where is this all going to end? Is this going to end in it being so ridiculous that it is just generally considered the norm that we are now living in clown world. Mm-hmm. Or are we going to find it that there is a huge pushback? Because if there is a huge pushback, hmm. it won't just be the trans activists. I'll be brushed into it as well. Yeah, And I think that if there is a big pushback against all this, whilst the trans movement might be the kind of the cataclyst of it, other identity politics movements will fall into it as well because they all act in the same way. They all have yeah. effectively the same politics. Yeah. So I think if you're thinking, if you are, let's say, a radical feminist who is very kind of pro-intersectionality, except for when it comes to a trans movement, just be aware that when the, if, if the trans movement ever falls because people get sick of intersectionality, it will not be the only one. Mm-hmm. Every other movement will take a dire hit. Because they they all act in virtually the same way. They well, and, all, and uh, it's built on 
idiocy. It's built, I mean, yes. not idiocy, it's just bad thinking. So it is literally a house of cards. It's just a bunch of identities, yeah. kind of like paper thin identities stacked into this huge tower of Babel, you know? So yeah. it's not going to take a lot for it to, it's either going to constantly collapse because it can't uh, maintain complexity, it can't really grow beyond a certain point, or it will grow to such a huge point that it will do i don't know what's going to happen if it goes the other way mm, it's going to be it's going to be interesting yeah. i think um and people like you will have material even if you end up getting destroyed in the meantime i will i will i think i will always have material at this point <laughs> um i mean how if there are websites that have been able to survive just on like gay news and stuff then i can i pretty sure i'll be able to be around for a long mm. time i'll probably be around until I don't know, maybe activists decide, like, fine, like, because I am lucky in that a lot of these people, like, I have got my enemies, there are people who who do kind of follow me and really despise me, but I've not kind of faced the full ire of the community yet, which is kind of like, a, which is a good, good thing, really, because, hmm. like, as funny as it would be, it's also probably be quite stressful. These are people who will go, who would go after my job who would mm-hmm. try and find out personal details about me and actually target me for di- simply having the crime of disagreeing with them. So I think that I, I, at the moment, I want to be able to kind of get my message out to as much people as I can before that happens. And even yeah. if that does happen, to carry on fighting regardless because I yeah. can't let them shut me up. Yeah, no. Like, that would yeah. be the absolute worst thing to happen is they start speaking out against me and trying to get me shut down and then I just cut out to them. Like, no. Yeah. Not a chance. Because if that happens, then I deserve to be shut down. If I if I just decide to bend the knee. And hmm. like it you would sound be like a freaking free folk. You're the, <laughs> you're the queen beyond the wall. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Well, I, I, well, yeah, yeah, at the moment, I kind of am. I'm not having people, you know, instill, you know, instilling their will on me just yet. I mean, it's yeah. only a matter of time, but, you know, it, it will be fascinating. When they eventually do take notice, it will be fascinating. It will be very interesting to see what they try and do, especially from my channel's point of view. Yeah. Um, but I will always speak out against them. I want to show people that. I consider myself to be rational. I don't know, you know, obviously I can't speak for other people, but I consider myself rational and I want to show people what my idea of being rational is and how Mm -hmm. I approach things Mm -hmm. and what really I think that we should be doing moving forward. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much for your time, Rose. Let's wrap it up so I don't have to edit this down. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, let's, no, no, thank you, thank you a lot for inviting me on. Um, yeah, like it's yeah, it's, a, it's been like I, I really enjoy doing things like this, like actually kind of chatting with more people because like sometimes just kind of on my channel, as much as I enjoy it, can get a little bit yeah. lonely. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think I've, I've done like two streams, and like one of them was with Count Dankula, and oh. I just kind of wanted to get it like on because I was kind of thinking you might get arrested at any moment so let's just like let's just do the stream now whilst you're still free and then they just took the money from his account anyway and I was like well I could have probably planned a little bit more for that one <laughs> uh, get him on again at some point yeah but yeah I I, I love doing these kinds of things so thank oh, great. you so much for yeah. inviting me on yeah um, we'll talk soon okay yeah no problem
You have a good night. Yeah, you too. Bye. All right. Ciao.